John Brandian, professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Welcome to our dining room table. In full disclosure, we're not at the kitchen table, Carl. So... Don't uh, don't check. If you go to check and you see like video, we're probably not going to release this video. But if we do, if you do see a video clip and you go, wait a second, that does not look like a kitchen. That looks like some other room of the house. You're correct. And so we said that we're at the kitchen table. You caught us. And, and you caught us. We're at the dining room table, but hopefully it won't affect the quality adversely. Uh, so we're doing a house guest episode and what this is, it's a little different from our regular podcast episode. Our regular podcast is tightly scripted. Oh yeah. Strictly, strictly on topic. Very polished. We never, yes, it's very polished and it's very precise and, uh, and, and succinct and, and it's always interesting. Uh, well, see now quality. you're going to, now you set it up to where it's going to be. Not interesting. Well, it's not interesting to do <laughs> not this. Not high quality. Uh, but this is, the, the house guest episode is where we just have all kinds of interesting people that come in and they gather around our dining room table and we talk to them about all sorts of interesting things. We've had uh, Juan DeVivo and Melody have been on from Casted Crowds. We've had Mark Gunger. We've had... Uh, uh, Chris Schufel. Chris Schufel. We've had all kinds of interesting people. And today we have... Uh, Mitch and Michelle Wainwright, and you are like, well, who are Mitch and Michelle Wainwright? <laughs> and uh, a year ago, I would have been right there with you. Who are Mitch and Michelle Wainwright? And so I, uh, I haven't actually met them uh, personally, like in person, face to face. Right. I, but I heard tell of them by a uh, member of the preachers group that I belong to, and it's Adam Block. Now, is Adam your actual uh pastor is, is he the minister at your church so that's a little interesting answer he is the <laughs> minister at the Please church that i attended when i was in rolla <laughs> i have okay. since moved out of rolla but he was the minister who did our wedding and he was my minister during my tenure in rolla okay and Perfect. so uh recently uh Mitch and Michelle got married. And when did you guys get married again? It was back in the fall, wasn't it? It was June 12th. June. That's the fall. The fall. It's the, it's the <laughs> yeah. like Canada or uh, Australia. Maybe. Yeah. The lovely <laughs> fall month of June uh, when they got married. Oh, spring. <laughs> and uh, Adam was commenting that he, he was in the preacher's group and he was saying, I've got a couple that wants to do an apologetics portion uh, in their wedding, remember I, this is what I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. They said we want to have they want to have a wedding and they want to do apologetics during the ceremony. And all of the other preachers are like asking clarifying questions, like <laughs> during the ceremony or like are you talking about at the reception right, or like at the rehearsal thing, dinner? One thing pastors really do know is <laughs> we, they really do script tightly the wedding ceremony, yes, they and do. they really do they have do. a very very polished delivery unlike what we were joking about with our podcast normally yeah so you can if you 
you want to if you want to see preachers, not all of them, but for a large percentage of them, if you want to see them kind of sweat a little bit, you should suggest something like, "Hey, let's do something that's never been done before during a wedding ceremony," and they'll go. Are you sure that that's what God wants you to do? I don't even know how that would work. Like, I'm pretty flexible a lot of times with my, you know, ceremonies, but I don't even know how that would work. That's why I wanted the Wainwrights to come on, because it was fascinating to me. And so everybody had a whole bunch of advice for Adam as to how how they would do it, which I think he largely ignored and just did whatever... (laughs) <laughs> whatever you guys worked out. But I, I said to Adam, I said, I would love to have them come on the podcast and talk about what's wrong with them, basically. You know, what what sort of... Def- oh, many things. <laughs> what sort of defective thinking led them to think that it would be a good idea to do apologetics during a wedding ceremony? And so that's what we're doing. Uh, so I wanted to uh, I wanted to start out by asking whose idea was this as you guys are planning the the wedding and you're thinking about all the things that there is to do what sort of colors are we going to have what sort of uh what sort of cake are we going to have do we want to do apologetics during the (laughs) ceremony or not how how did all that get started okay um so our wedding was a little interesting in that michelle was (laughs) in the throes of finishing up graduate school <laughs> and she had a, a comprehensive exam that she had to prepare for. So I did a lot of sort of the preliminary skeletoning out of the planning as best as I could and just tried to say, Hey, you probably need to make these decisions at some point. In this order. <laughs> yeah. And one of the <laughs> things that I had come across when I was looking up how to plan a wedding, because, you know, this is the kind of thing that every every single guy ever dreams from, dreams about when, since they were four. That's um, true. I read a lot of stuff on the internet on things you should do, and one of the things that somebody somewhere suggested was come up with two or three things that you really want to dig into, and that was pretty much the only hill I had to die on wedding wise. I was like, I think this would be a great idea. And Michelle said that she also did once we started talking about planning because we had a strict no talking about wedding planning until she passed her comprehensive. Um, <laughs> okay, so a lot so, of, so many of these ideas uh, just originated in your male brain and you were not allowed to express them because it would distract her from her graduate work and so so they just sort of piled up in there until such a time as you could actually talk about them well uh, more so they piled up on a, a google document that i was working on to share with michelle right. we're both engineers and that's probably going to come out in a lot of uh how we approach um organizing things uh-huh yeah I'm, i was good at guess engineers but <laughs> All right, so, but you did eventually talk about it, obviously, uh, because it would be, it's a good idea to at least consult with the bride about how the wedding is going to unfold, rather than, I guess, I mean, some people would maybe, some people are of a personality that you could just spring stuff like that on them at the last minute, maybe, or? I think we had about three months of Michelle taking the reins on the wedding planning two or two to three months 
And I had so. stronger opinions about other things, mostly related to clothing. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, but we also have a lot of, um, as I said, we're both engineers, and so a lot of the people invited to our wedding were in graduate school, you get really close uh, to the the people in your lab because you're pulling all-nighters with them and <laughs> you've been through a lot uh, with them. So a lot of them were coming to our wedding. And uh, for us, apologetics is very interesting because we both have a very analytical mind. And we knew that a lot of our um, non-believing or, or new, new believers or maybe kind of... Um, believers, but not fully committed in college, um, friends, uh, would, would connect with kind of an apologetics approach. Okay. Yeah. So how did that end up looking then? Because, you know, usually wedding ceremonies are not, you know, days long. It's not going to be like a weekend conference. So like, how did you end up incorporating it into the ceremony in a way that would like give people a good introduction, but not make them, you know, be have to be there for an hours long lecture. Uh, in a classic American approach to ministry, we hired somebody to do it. <laughs> all right, cool. Like, like Adam. Adam yeah. So a Adam was really the the nexus on that. He, we came to him with this idea. And we said, you know, we've got a lot of family that's coming in. Um, we've got a lot of friends that are coming in. And this is one of two times that we get to have the opportunity to subject people to whatever we want to subject them to. And uh -huh. it's the only time that we get to be around for after they have heard whatever it was that we chose to subject them to. So <laughs> we approached him with this idea and he sort of ran with it. We gave him a lot of different options. and pestered him probably way more than he wanted on um, here are the different options on things we think might work or opportunities that you might want to take. Um, and, and he just sort of helped us down select what the right way to handle it was. Well, it was all in the, like the homily part of the ceremony was where that was going to be, where the uh, apologetics pitch was going to be placed. And then, yeah, Adam just figured out how to transition from uh, love and marriage to um, the existence of God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that seems like a pretty obvious transition to most people. I mean, in all seriousness, we've been talking apologetics and thinking, you know, in terms of apologetics for a long time. And so I can already kind of imagine how that might have gone down, you know, like God is love. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, my, I was processing everything. Like my, my view of everything was kind of warped at the time. So, <laughs> Cause I was so excited. Um, so I don't have a, a great memory of exactly what he said, but I thought he said something along, started something along the lines of like, for our relationship with each other to work well, um, we're, we're, relying on our relationship, our individual relationships with God. Um, and then somehow, and maybe he said something like, and Mitch and Michelle, this is, their faith is so important to them. Um, they would like you to know about it too. And, and then at some point he's like, so let's start at the very basics. We exist, right? And he like 
paused and I guess, I don't know if it was audience participation or not. I don't think anyone said anything. Um, Nobody argued with him. That's probably good. <laughs> Speak for yourself. We all exist. Yeah. yeah so I remember that's how he, he started. Um, and then uh, worked his way. I, I feel like maybe he at some point got to the um, lunatic liar or Lord um, way of presenting or analyzing Jesus and who he was. Um, so that came up at one point. And, uh, and I don't know how he tied it back together. It was, it was pretty impressive, the gymnastics he did to make it all fit and flow. But Yeah. Well, yeah. I, to hear that coming from uh, the bride of the ceremony, that's what's significant because there are a number of uh, women that I know who would be a little bit put out if if you made anybody the focus of the attention on that day, including Christ. Uh, you know, there are some women yeah. that just, it's their day. And so I guess that was the thing that intrigued me when Adam was saying that he's got this couple that wants to do apologetics. It's like, you, you, there's a bride that's down with that? Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a bride that's cool with talking about uh, Jesus instead yeah. of talking oh, about her? I, I also like to hear you mention that you didn't remember or don't remember most of the details. Like, that is pretty standard, too. Like, for most brides, <laughs> they're like, I didn't even get to eat. I did one dance, and it's only because it was part of the you know reception program. I barely remember any of it. So it's kind of a whirlwind for everybody. But I, I do think that, you know, for anybody who's maybe planning a wedding now or might plan a wedding in the future, to be aware of that, to be aware of how silly it is to make that day all about you when it happens so fast. It. And yeah, yeah, like the the rest of the marriage by far deserves more of our attention than the wedding day for that exact reason. And so to, yeah, to have that forward thinking and to be more concerned with how can we have an impact on our guests for that, you know, few hours and, and what can we do to make the most of that time, I think is just really wise. I mean, I don't know another word to describe it besides like interesting. It's interesting. So we're <laughs> we're trying to recover from that. And, and from that I don't intro. Even remember the other words we used. Okay. So I wanted to also, uh, I want to also kind of ask you, uh, Mitch was saying, that this was our opportunity to, uh, what was the word? Not foist, uh, but... but Subject. Subject. <laughs> subject our views. Subject <laughs> our friends and family to our views. That was it. And uh, he, he said it rather unapologetically. Hey, he look what it. you did there. I, I know what I did, did there. On purpose. I should have a podcast. <laughs> uh, but he, he said it in such a way that was like, yeah, this is... This is an opportunity for us to express our point of view to our friends and family. And how how did that how did that work out? I mean, have you gotten any have you gotten any uh, feedback on on that? Well, we another thing that we were doing um, is that, and this was also I think Mitch's idea. Have we had some friends of ours who? very much like to talk about Jesus whenever they have the chance and they're not shy about it. One of them is my Sunday school teacher, um, Scott Alford. And so we had kind of given them a heads up ahead of time that like, if you, I guess we asked them if, if they felt so inclined to seek out, initiate conversations with um, guests, maybe about what they heard 
um, during the ceremony part. And um, I still don't know who it was that my Sunday school teacher was talking to, but I know he had somebody um, that he snagged into a conversation because his wife was supposed to help set up food. And I, she said something to my mom about like, oh, well, we can't go yet because Scott's busy. He's, and, and she looked over at him and he was engrossed in some conversation. So he I hope that there was some conversation. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think uh, you want to talk about you have some family members who had commented on it, right? Yeah. So there were some family members that I know at least talked about it with my parents after the fact. I'm not sure where it went, but my mom mentioned that it was food for thought amongst some people. And uh, some of my friends during the reception, the little bits and pieces of it that I remember actually said, yeah, I wasn't really sure how Adam was going to bring all of this back together to tell a cohesive story about getting married, but he did it, and that was pretty cool. So cool. It, and the uh, specific friend I'm thinking about, I've had many faith-based discussions with already, so it, it's kind of cool to see how the opportunity that God gave us at least did something with some people, even though it may not have really been our our doing or us carrying the the legwork on it. Right. Did you get any? It, this is probably less likely, but did anybody push back or say anything negative? Probably people who have the biggest problem are not going to come directly to you and grumble. But yeah. I didn't hear any complaints. Okay. I would think that people, and this may just be my own projection, but I would think that people would actually appreciate a little bit of variety for once, you know, because we've all been to many weddings in our lifetimes. Yes, we have. And, you know, you get, um, there's going to be like a candle lighting or maybe a sand pouring ceremony. And then there's going to be like the bride's sister's going to sing a song or, um, you know, the father of the groom will give a prayer we'll and give then a prayer. maybe there'll be a water balloon fight. Maybe. No. Yeah. That's exactly my point. That never happens. <laughs> uh -oh. you, you're going to hear first Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Uh -huh. And, and like, that's all well and good. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you just kind of, there's a very predictable, you know, there's nothing wrong with ceremony. There's nothing wrong. In fact, I just read something yesterday about like the importance of ceremony liturgy in a high church that that i was that i follow and they were saying you know the reason that we plan and prepare is because you know elijah prepared the offering on the on the mountain and then god was the one who sent the fire and so we recognize that the holy spirit sends the fire but we do still do what we can what we can to prepare and be orderly in our worship and i i can see that too but also as a guest to a wedding, if you see something that's out of the ordinary, you're going to remember it. And you're going to kind of be like, well, even if I didn't agree with every single thing, it gave me something to think about as opposed to just kind of tuning out the way that you might when you sing the happy birthday song for the you know 400th time in your life. So, Yeah, kind of building off of uh, Mitch's ideas, I thought, well, you know, nobody likes receiving lines. So how about we have a receiving Christ line? <laughs> <laughs> so how did, an altar call we, we uh, decided line. against that ultimately oh you did <laughs> yeah. not sure if that would be any more popular than a receiving line 
That is true. They would probably dislike it for all of the same reasons. <laughs> it was maybe a little bit more confrontational than uh, than <laughs> we needed to be. Right. Yeah. Everybody who hates Jesus, feel free to exit now. Everybody who <laughs> everybody who loves Jesus, you may kiss the bride. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I actually do, and I think that. Um, Again, I think that having giving people something different to, to enjoy or at least think about is not a bad thing. I think that people, I think it's more likely that it will stand out in their memory for a lot longer too, you know, for years to come. Well, that aspect of it was why I was particularly piqued um, to talk with you guys is because so many people in, well, so many people, and this has been part of my generation, the generation ahead of me, and the generation ahead of me. A wedding, a wedding ceremony is not generally thought of as a time to uh, evangelize people. It's it's basically it's a putting specifically of the bride uh, up on a pedestal, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, and the groom, but the couple, uh, the the forging of a new family, that's what it's all about. And to make it about something other than that, even for a little bit, even even to make some aspect, use up some of the time in the ceremony to, to talk about your faith is, um, it's just a really, uh, it's a really selfless thing to do. And I thought that it was, worth noting and and having you come on and picking your brain about it to, about um you know how is it that you I mean, how is it that you came to uh decide that you wanted that you wanted to do this like, like i said and mitch mitch said that he he saw it as an opportunity to uh, subject people to what you think um but just the, the concept of, okay, I'm going to have a captive audience. <clears throat> and so what I'm going to do with that captive audience is I'm going to express my, express my faith. Where did that, how did you get that idea? I mean, where did that come from? Do you know? Is the answer from God too generic? Um. <laughs> yes. Ding, ding, ding. That's the answer I was looking for. <laughs> No, it, not necessarily. If um, is are you going to play a sound effect? You are. To, I think it's too, okay. late now. <laughs> it's too late now. Too late when the moment is passed. Applause. Here we go. Yep. Oh right, no! Bye. It just it won't go. There we go. That was not it's worth the totally wait. Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it. it Michelle, it's, I have oh. I have that. I I have always had that instinct to where okay if i get it when i'm standing up in front of people what am i going to say and i've had that instinct i've thought about that since i was a little kid if i ever had a television show if i have a radio show if i stand on stage and say things what am i going to say to people and so when i see it in in other people who don't necessarily stand up in front of people on a regular basis most people don't most people don't have a captive audience on a regular basis you've got your wedding uh you've got anniversaries uh, to a lesser extent so i was just curious how i guess what inspired you who or what inspired you to go yeah we want to take this opportunity with our captive audience to talk about something important 
Well, I, I feel like um, <laughs> one thing Mitch did really well throughout graduate school. So graduate school is a crazy time. You feel like everything's on fire. You put out this fire and then you turn around and there's another fire to put out and with your work and classes and everything. And he really made a point in graduate school to um, be intentional about seeking out um, people to, I, I don't know if witnessing is the right word. Wit witnessing was part of it, but like building relationships with them. And so I think it was already kind of a, a part of his life, just wanting to take every opportunity um, so, but then also, um, so before the ceremony, um, and I got this idea from a friend of mine uh, at her wedding, um, the pastor, uh, so Adam came and he prayed with the bridesmaids and then he went over to the groom's men and prayed with them. Um, and when he was praying with uh, the bridesmaids, one thing he prayed was that the, the day would be about God in the right way. And then, you know, at, at the right times would be about Mitch and I. And I feel like there was that balance. I mean, we did have um, our friends do toasts. So there was, there was, it, it was mostly about us that day. Um, you know, had special times where we were celebrating our relationship. Um, I would say the focus of the overall event. Um, and so I don't feel like having the apologetics in the homily portion really didn't detract for me from like the specialness of the day and the attention I was getting. Okay. Okay. I am going to take this opportunity to insert bum, 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 controversy. Possibly. Ooh. I don't know if it's really? that controversial. You didn't actually clear this with me. No, you haven't probably heard about this yet. Mm -hmm. So right now, Lecrae, the Christian rapper is in the news or at least on social media buzzing because of something that he said, I think it was on Twitter. And it's uh, just about communion. He, well, no. Yes. Yes, it is. He said something about communion that now has some people a little upset. And I'm wondering if it may be, maybe it's related. Maybe it's not, but I'll read. Lecrae said, I just did communion at home with wheat bread and apple juice. Hope this still counts, shrug emoji. And the response from a lot of people has been along the lines of what I said before about the importance of preparation, the importance of tradition, the importance of, you know, um, having these things, these ceremonies as Christians that we should not desecrate. Like, you know, we must keep them sacred. And so I wonder, um, you know, if this were to get out on the internet, like, oh, this couple just totally deviated from the, the standard you know, marriage You wonder homily. if they were doing wheat, bread, yeah. and apple juice at their wedding. Was this wheat a wheat, bread, and apple juice situation? Or like to quote um, Samuel Say, who's another person I really admire for his cultural commentary, he said, I just did my baptism in the shower with soap and water. Hope that still counts. Shrug. <laughs> Obviously, you know, satirically and, and making fun of that. So... Um, so yeah, I want to hear from the table. I want to hear like playing devil's advocate a little bit. Is that what we're dealing with here? Like, have we just completely desecrated the super important church ceremony that, you know, that we have, have changed, um, somewhat heretically. Are you asking me? I'm asking or are you asking table. our guests who we brought on to ask about their wedding and then you just sideline? He just blindsided him. I'm with just saying, whoever wants to fight with me, whoever wants to fight. So, 
That's an interesting question, and I haven't had enough time to prepare a very thought-out answer. Me neither, Mitch. <laughs> I would say that ultimately I try and live my life as best as I can to to serve God and also to reflect his majesty in, into the areas that I can. And this was an opportunity that I saw to do that. And thankfully, Michelle was on board with it once I broached the idea to her. Um, that being said, I'm a little Protestant in how I think about some things. So I think sometimes we can get caught up in tradition and, and lose the forest for the trees. For instance, with the wedding, it, it's really a celebration of God joining two people together in, in holy matrimony. And so trying to reflect that light back on God, I don't see a problem with that. And the contrast between that and, say, communion or, um, or baptism is the Bible has a lot to say about communion and baptism um, and, and maybe less to say a description of how a ceremony is to be done. And that being said, there is some leeway with uh, with communion that I, I see in scripture as well. You know, does it have to be an entire meal? Does it have to be once a week? Does it have to be exactly grape juice and and bread or wine and bread? I, I don't know. Right. That gets into a theological question that many people have, have grappled with. But I don't feel as if we're treading on that with using a a wedding to reflect what our beliefs are in God. Hmm. Well, Sorry, I had to step away just briefly because my son was shouting in the background, but I heard the first part and the very last sentence. So, <laughs> uh, Well, one of the things that uh, I was able to do because Mitch was kind enough to respond first was I was able to process a little bit. <laughs> and so you don't have to give your response. I, don't, I didn't have to give my response first, so mine can be a little more... Uh, well, now we're ready for it. We're ready for yours to be like, yeah, like this will five be, minutes better than his. This ready is going to go. be this is going to be stellar. You're going to be amazed at how deep and profound this is. We can't wait. Uh, but my question for Lecrae, if he was, if he would give me a moment to ask him, which he never will, is who are you writing to? I mean, when you say, "I hope that's okay," whose approval are you seeking? Who's who is? Who is going to give the stamp of approval on your method of uh, communion? Because that that tweet to me seems a little bit uh, unnecessarily uh, defensive. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it seems defensive. It's like, oh, hope, hope it meets everybody's approval. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know anybody personally who is going to say you took communion with apple juice. Are you insane? There I don't know people. anybody personally. Yeah, you do. You don't know. Where, I do. Yes. Is it you? No. Oh. But you don't know where the where this tweet was brought to my attention was among some some people that Who thought it was wrong that they did it with apple juice. Well, they're just they would make the argument not that like oh Lecrae now you're hellbound but like they said that that because the the symbol is supposed to be um, it has to come from the vine. 
and that the fermentation process was important because of how long Jesus was in the grave. I think, I don't even understand the Can argument. Can you make wine in three days? I don't no, even know. No, but the point was that it's like somewhere else, probably in Hebrews, if we're being honest, um, if we're, or if we're making a, a good guess about it, that, that there's a description of why Christ used the fruit of the vine specifically and that it's something about fermentation too. I, not that I agree or disagree with the argument. I'm just saying that there are people who have gone so far into the symbolism part that, that you know, the same types of people who argue about whether you should baptize three times forward or once backward or sprinkle or all of that. Or stuff. whether you should do apologetics at your wedding. They probably would. I can imagine it being some of the same people who, again, most of them would not say that, that it's a salvation issue. Like, we're very quick to right. say, I'm not saying that this is going to keep you from being able to go to heaven. We're just saying that God is not as pleased with you as he is with me. This deserves more careful thought. And yeah, so I'm just giving a small voice to that argument just for the sake <laughs> to of the fundamentalists. You westward. feel like the fundies are underrepresented on our podcast. We're trying to be so, interesting. We're uh-huh. trying to keep things interesting. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, Still, my question remains the same: Who are you talking to? And yeah. if you're, if you are intentionally trying to provoke those people, then I would say that you shouldn't ought to do that. Right? Why would you? Why would you announce it? So you had communion between you and God at home. Why didn't you keep it there? Right. Between why, you and God why, at is, home? why the public announcement right. to your millions of followers? What yeah. What is the point of that? Whereas a wedding ceremony is by nature communal, and it, it always has involved other people correct and it is and there is no standard theology really as uh michelle pointed out there's no there's no real theology and mitch both (laughs) alluded to this that the bible really doesn't tell you what a wedding ceremony is supposed to consist of right right it's more cultural so okay i can i can go with that so why don't you stop stirring everybody up <laughs> and ask some questions that are going to make everybody happier instead of <laughs> instead of defensive and um, so I I would uh, I I would encourage our listener. We only have one listener. And his name is Carl. Um, <laughs> Way to throw that in thirty minutes. Thirty minutes in. Um, we have one listener. If you're listening, your like name is like Carl. Mr. Rogers. Remember Mr. Rogers? Do you guys? You guys probably aren't even old enough. You you never did watch Mr. Look at them. Look at them doing this. Do you remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Do I you? I was a PBS kid. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mr. Rogers used to come onto the screen and he would talk directly into the camera like you were the only person in the room. He would never he never said hi neighbors. It was never plural. It was always singular. Hello neighbor. And sometimes he friend. Like he sometimes would call friend. you a friend occasionally. Hello neighbor. We love so. our listener so much we even gave him a name we gave him a name hello carl and you are the only person in the room so that's where that comes from and what i am what was inspirational to me about uh you guys you young whippersnappers getting married in the uh fall of (laughs) the fall of june 2000 fall of 2020 uh 21 just before the leaves start changing just before the leaves start changing um is that there was a a sense of I don't want to say obligation, but I don't know of a better term an obligation to present your your faith to the people that you care about, and you were seizing that opportunity to present your faith 
to again your friends, your family, the people I, that are. I think this goes back to, to the episode that we just released of our podcast this week, which came out yesterday. Does it? Um, because we were talking about carefulness with our words, mm-hmm. talking about intention. You know, having an intention where you where everything that you do is with the understanding that you've been loaned your body, including your vocal cords and your lips, you know, and your mind. You've been loaned that by your creator so that you will glorify him, so that so that everything that you do should reflect the fact that you know that you belong to somebody else. You're not you don't just belong to yourself. And I think it's just weirding you out a little bit because we don't see it very often. Like, this is exactly what we talked about. I'm right here. I can speak for myself. <laughs> I'm going to try to translate. They, you know, we talked about how how many people will just say stuff because they heard somebody else say it. They'll just repeat something, you know, that they heard on the news. Or we were talking about cliches and idioms. And platitudes. Platitudes that people just kind of regurgitate <laughs> these words. Not that, that they aren't appropriate in some context, but then there are times where they come out and they're not at all appropriate and they're not what the person even meant to say, but they just kind of lack that self-awareness and that process for considering mm-hmm. their, you know, their speech. And so the Bible talks a lot about it, about how we should be careful and we should consider and we should be intentional with all of the, all of these things. But you never, I don't, I can't say never, but you very rarely see people Seldom. practicing it and like being careful. <laughs> right. So right. I think you're just kind of weirded out. Oh, look, there's a train. Do you guys live near yeah, a train? I'm saying hi. Okay, good. Because we don't, and I'm worried. I was like, I've never heard that sound before. It's, okay. It's actually a really friendly tornado. It lets you know it's coming. Here it comes. We do have those. So, we do you have know, tornadoes. If we yeah. need to rush to the basement real quick, just let us know. Oh, that's funny. That's great. But yeah, I think that you are... You're just kind of reacting to what you, what you normally see, and you kind of alluded to this too, is you know a bride and a groom, especially a bride who like quickly falls into the pattern that everybody else has established, where it's just you know. I've seen a few episodes of Bridezilla, or say yes to the dress, or say yes to the dress, yeah, and yeah. That's, there's a bunch of them. I so can't that, think of any. Have more you guys ever seen Bridezilla? <laughs> They're shaking no. their heads and oh says, see, that's... They're engineers. I they know. They have so many, and I'm being serious, so many more important things to do so than much. watch that trash. I, I haven't seen... Uh, okay, let me let me make... Let me go on record saying I'm not like a... I haven't seen all you the episodes. Lot, yeah, I've seen enough episodes to know. But you can tell by the title what it's about. It's about these these women that are planning their weddings, and they're just insufferable. Right. They're just by the by the end of the episode, I'm I'm going. Why would anyone want to go to their wedding? Right. They're it's like just, throwing things, yeah. and they're you know, and the family all knows that they have this tendency. Oh, you know, you know, Laura, she really needs things her way, and we just want to make this all about her. And no matter what they do, Laura's still angry by the end of the episode, and you know. She's swearing at people and throwing people out of the church and, you know, all of this stuff. And so when that becomes, not that that extreme is the standard either, but somewhere in the middle, you've got people who just kind of go, well, I guess we're going to do a cake and a, you know, bouquet toss and we're going to do a a song and a dance in 1 Corinthians 13 because that's just what everybody does. Mm -hmm. And, And so to have a person who goes, wait a minute, pause, time out, let's just be considerate. Let's. Let's be thoughtful. You know, it's weird in all of the best ways. It's weird. I want to know how you guys came to 
This, I, I think I may be repeating a question. I but feel like you have repeated it's a that. Slight, but I want to know, <laughs> is, is it a, uh, do you have an environment in, in your life, either your home life, your church life, or church life, which I guess is the same as a home life. But did you did you grow up in an environment where um, where you were encouraged to uh, to express your faith or to express to express yourself? I mean, to be to where where you say what you think, and and people encouraged you to do that. Or did you have to overcome an environment where people say, "Hey, that's inappropriate. You shouldn't say that sort of stuff because it's gonna, it's gonna offend some people." Not everybody thinks the way you do. Not everybody has the same religion that you have. And I can imagine that there must have been a person or two in your life who would say, "Oh, are you sure that that is appropriate to, uh, to straight up." you know, preach at people when they just are coming to show their support of your marriage? So the question is, do you have a family environment where you have, you know, open communication and where people are generally supportive of that kind right. of, of that kind of thinking? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a Christian household and um, I think early on, most of the people I w- was around were Christians. So I didn't experience what it was like to uh express matters of faith to someone who didn't share those um i think going to college was kind of when i first heard close interactions with people who don't share um those, those. um do you have anything else to add yeah i'd say my parents might be some of the craziest people I know mm-hmm. in that they consistently let me do things that I look back on and make zero sense to me. And it's pretty cool that they did that. They let me do all sorts of things that I, looking back on, I don't know if I would have the tenacity to let my kids do the same things if I, Interesting. I end up with kids. <laughs> Yeah, and I've never been told, now maybe this means that I've not been bold enough with expressing my faith, but I've never had someone like respond like, don't tell me that. I mean, I guess I had somebody just kind of, when I was talking to people and I brought it up, one of them like kind of wandered away, which to me was a sign they didn't want to hear it. But I've never been like confronted by people um, and so maybe that's an encouragement to us that we're always so afraid that we're not going to be accepted. And, and, and a lot of times people aren't as close to it as you might think. Right. Well, I, I thought of a, as you were unpacking your explanation, uh, accusations of brainwashing and uh, indoctrination are what would come up among certain people that we would yeah, but I don't think that with. that's it's going like this, to happen. This poor brainwashed no, couple. No, that's not going to happen apart from the internet. And most no? people don't live on the internet. I would say, from my from my perspective, when my husband and I, you know, joined our two families together, it was a clashing of two different Christian cultures. So you had both of us growing up in the church, and both of us um, very much having parents who believed in God and believed in Christ and wanted us to, you know, express our faith. But what they meant by express their faith or express our faith was kind of different 
depending on which family you were talking to. And so obviously my family is very outgoing, very expressive. You know, the Brandon side is always gathering around tables, whether they're in the kitchen or the dining room and, you know, almost jumping on top of each other to share stories or to like talk about something they saw or they read or they've been thinking about. And, um, or to formulate a convoluted question that doesn't make any sense. Right, they're always just rambling about something that they haven't actually quite finished. Right, something still processing, but that doesn't stop them from talking. <laughs> Never does. Uh-huh. So that's the you know the Brandian side, and we we talk and we're communicators. And then on my husband Luke's side, they're more gift givers and um, you know time spenders. I guess they they love being together and they love. Um, they go to church together, but when it comes to like unpacking stuff or discussing it really, really in depth, they're like, that makes us very uncomfortable. And we're not sure what you're trying to accomplish other than maybe like ticking people off. You're going to end up stepping on toes if you're not careful, you know, and awkward so, conversations. Luke's, Luke's side of the family would be, would be a little uncomfortable if you had said we want to do, do apologetics. apologetics because again it deviates from the norm so they can't wrap their minds around it and and if they haven't seen it yet you know they're going to be like i don't know what you're why you would want to like right. why would you want to deviate from this perfectly good system we already have other than you're you might upset great great aunts why would you not want to just recite these platitudes that and, have been recited since the beginning well, of and like michelle was saying Great, great Aunt Susie probably doesn't care as much as you might be afraid. Like, she's not going to be as upset as you might think. Maybe great, great Aunt Susie actually loves the ceremony that you ended up coming up with. And Maybe she to. loves William Lane Craig. She may be, or she doesn't know she does yet, but she might fall in love with him through the process. She might. Her and Lee Strobel will become pen pals. I don't know. But, like, yeah, some people, some family cultures, it's like, don't rock the boat. And like Michelle said, you may not even be rocking the boat. You know, you may, if you put yourself out there, you may come to discover that nobody's even offended or they might even enjoy it. But but for some people, it still feels really dangerous or it feels like an unnecessary risk to take. And these are very sweet Christian people that, right. you know, are, are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but it's just a different way of thinking about things than... Yeah. So, uh, if Carl is planning on getting married in the future, <laughs> uh, I, what advice? What advice would you pass on to to him? To her? To him or her? To him or her? Carl can be either. Carl can also be a girl. Mm, I kind of like the one thing Mitch said earlier was decide on a few things that you really care about, at least in terms of the planning, the wedding event planning process. This is, um, as you guys said, the marriage is more important than the event, the ceremony event. But um, I guess picking a few things that you really care about, like maybe three things that you really care about and um, kind of not sweating the rest details um, is helpful to kind of prioritize that's great advice. Yep. Back to thoughtfulness again. Yeah. Think about it. and Yeah. For me, it was like the, so the photography, the photographer, we, we hired a professional photographer. She actually goes to my church um, and she did a wonderful job. Uh, so, but that was worth it to me to have a professional photographer. Uh, so, but you know, then the invitations, I didn't really care about too much. So we just went with the, the, <laughs> the cheapest thing for the invitation. So, you know, decide. 
you know, do you, do you care about the cake? Do you care about the dress? And um, pick a few things and uh, don't sweat the rest. That's great advice, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I was just explaining to some people at church on Sunday about the value of lowering expectations, which I feel like gets kind of related to, you know, we where you pick a couple things you want to prioritize, but then, yeah, kind of lower your expectations for everything else. Um, and, yeah, be intentional about that. And what's funny, the only reason I was laughing was because those were like my most important things for my own wedding, too. I wanted good pictures to remember the occasion. I wanted to look nice, um, but the cake was not as serious or as important for me. And then the, the invitations, I distinctly remember telling you, because we printed our invitations. Do you even remember this, Dad? Probably not. I had you print them. We actually went through... like I, I do remember that. I had taken a desktop publishing class in college the yep. semester before, so I actually had a color index where I could match it with the color of my wedding or my bridesmaids dresses right. and we could print the ink accordingly, which worked great for like the first 50 of them. But then we started running out of ink and right. it was like <laughs> getting worse. All of worse. our, all of our invitations were not they the same. The, yeah. The there was things. a transition. By the between... end, I think they were almost orange. They were supposed to be blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we sent them know. out anyway. Or green, I guess is what the color yeah. they went to. But yeah, we yeah. sent them out anyway, but well, I think oh. Mitch has a comment. Yeah. At the risk of, I guess, jeopardizing giving Carl a interesting necktie from his wife on their, their wedding day. I would say that the thing I thought was really, really cool that we did was we were not afraid to give people ownership over different attributes of our, our wedding and our reception. So for instance, Adam Block did a wonderful job with the ceremony and we sort of just had turned them loose with this vague idea of, hey, Adam, this is kind of what we want to do. We don't know the right way to do this. Here's some ideas. Here's some questions that we have that might help the conversation go in the correct direction as far as when to insert it in the ceremony. What do you think? Uh, in addition to that, though, we had a lot of other really amazing things that happened just because we gave people ownership of, of a little piece of it. So we had this wonderful couple that we're really good friends with teach dance lessons. And my brother was the DJ. Her brother was the DJ. Cool. Um, the week leading up to the, the wedding, we were trying to get everything organized at, for the, the reception and the wedding and somebody we were talking to somebody and he was, he offered to do a flyby in his big old post World War II ginormous airplane, which was really cool. Um, so did he do and, it? And a lot of that was, so I don't feel like I gave people free reign. I thought I maybe Mitch did, but I gave a lot of instructions about how things should be set up. I did not leave much for uh, interpretation. Yeah. I, I think maybe Mitch did that more. So maybe I did a little more than Michelle did, but there were, you know, a few people that we just gave ownership over select small areas. Yeah. Like you didn't tell the guy how to fly his plane, right? You let him, you let huh? him do that. The guy, the yeah, pilot. Him. We let him do that. He's trying to make a joke. And, you know, most of the time the best response is to roll your eyes and just point a little bit to acknowledge that you saw it or heard it. <laughs> uh, I, well, the thing is just that, 
when I was deciding who who to have as bridesmaids, I I have some wonderful friends and and many of them are just very laid back. And I was like, that's what I need on the day because like a lot of times by that point, there's you can't do much to change how things go. And I just needed girls who would keep me positive and relaxed and having a good time no matter like how it went. Um, so yeah, that think of that when you're picking your bridal party. It's not just maybe, you know, you don't want to pick them just by who, you know, the height, how that would look and stuff like that. You, know? <laughs> you <laughs> laugh, but some women. <laughs> think of the, per- the personalities that you want around you when you might be stressed. I need a taller friend. See, I love everything that I've heard so far. And we, we're getting closer. We're wrapping up here um, for our time frame, our time slot. But it, it just sounds like generally focusing on the important stuff means focusing on the eternal stuff, focusing on the less seen, more, you know, experienced spiritually stuff. And they're just, I don't think there are enough people who do that. I, I really like the idea. Well, I like what both of you said, but especially Michelle saying pick three things because she's an engineer. So she's going to say <laughs> three things that you care about. And that is especially good advice, Carl, if you are the type of person who finds yourself being anxious at at events and at times. If you're like, oh, I, I always get so keyed up. Well, the reason you're getting keyed up is because you're trying to control too many things. Right. And if you limit yourself, some people do this automatically. Some people, their, their brains are automatically, they can prioritize and they can go, okay, this is what I care about and this is what I don't care about. But if you're not that type of person, then you should write it down. Yeah. You should say, you should allow yourself three things that you really care about. And then when you start to feel anxious about stuff, go back to that list and go, oh, this is not one of the things that I care about. Right. So I'm going to let it go. If you tend to get overwhelmed or overloaded, you know, with sensory stuff, um, that's legitimate. You know, it doesn't make you a bad person, but like a way that you can learn to cope a little better and go forward with more empowerment and, and peace is yeah. By peace. And people think I'm kidding when I say things like lower expectations, I don't mean settle for, for a bad wedding. I mean like a way to make it a better experience is to decide what you actually um, care about. Did you guys have any, as we, we got to wrap up, but did you guys have any disasters and I'm putting that in quotes. Is there is there anything that went wrong that was that's wonderful that you're going to be able to talk about with your kids and grandkids? <laughs> oh, well, the one thing and we we did plan for this contingency. Um, the ring bearers I chose were about uh, three years old and they're identical twin boys. Good and so you. they are just adorable. But with their age, there was. Some, it was like already a 50-50 chance that they were going to make it down the aisle. Right. And uh, right before, you know, the bridesmaids were all lined up to go in. And I'm standing next to my dad. And from down the hall, we hear, <laughs> The mom was actually a bridesmaid. And she comes by and says, um, It's okay if there aren't any new bearers. <laughs> they were having a little meltdown. So, so you had no ring bearers? <laughs> What was that? You had no ring bearers? No ring bearers. But we actually, they were not going to be carrying the real rings anyway. So that's, that's how we planned that's for that. Right. But, and then Mitch, uh, the mistake you thought of. Was, yeah. Uh, so 
I guess here's a good piece of advice for Carl. If at any point in the wedding, the question comes up on, am I supposed to say I do here? The answer is probably, so it, it earlier on in the wedding than I had expected. Oh, Mitch, and just a second. It my was, engineering mind starts racing Can you start your story over again? Questions. Oh, can you guys hear me okay now? Well, I don't know if it's back yet or not. All right. Oh, wait, I think it did. Yes, I think we're good now. All right, you got to start your story over because it was breaking Okay. Up. Oh, All right. So <laughs> a important note for Carl is if at any point in the wedding, the question comes up on, is this the point that I'm supposed to say I do? The answer is probably yes. <laughs> so we went, we went through the <laughs> re rehearsal several times and then show up. Yeah, it was this wonderful, gorgeous procession. And then Adam asks me this series of seemingly yes or no questions. Right. And I kind of freeze. I'm like, oh, man, is this is this the point where I'm supposed to say I do? <laughs> or is this just a yes or a no question? <laughs> and so my engineering brain starts racing. And then I realize, well, I better say something quick. Otherwise, people are going to get the wrong idea. So I said, well, yes or a no question. So, yes, of course. <laughs> and, Neither of us said I do. I said I will. Said yes. <laughs> I think it still counts. I think this. I think maybe we're running up against yep. like apple juice and wheat bread, you know, scenario again, where <laughs> maybe somebody out there is going to be upset and like, you know, argue that it's somehow uh, desecrating things. But I would say yes, no. I will. I do. Take your pick. <laughs> Right. I mean, what, and what what's anybody going to say? You know, everybody everybody who's ever been in a wedding knows that there's, you know, there's some nerves and, and it's really hard to pay attention. You can feel like everybody's looking at you. And uh, and so you just respond. You just respond with whatever whatever seems appropriate. And most people will forgive you if it's if it's a dumb response. I'm going to play our outro music here. I don't know if they can hear that, but I mean, you, you right can here. still kind of give a, a final farewell. We've really appreciated having you here to talk about, talk about this. And yeah, we finally made it happen. We were, we were going to do this a few weeks ago, Carl, but we, we got uh, scheduling conflicts and you know, it, it was like uh, wheat bread and apple juice that day. <laughs> we were trying to get the podcast going, but it just, just didn't fall into place but uh we appreciate you guys making time to to tell us your tale it was uh, it's super interesting to me so interesting i'm gonna put that in the description it's so interesting interesting when <laughs> when a young couple decides that they want to take take their wedding day and turn it over for the glory of god i mean that thanks, that's thanks for being here today mitch and michelle we really appreciate it yeah yeah thanks, thanks for, for having us, us. you bet and if anybody has any questions that they want to ask me you can share my email address oh. with them john okay yeah if you give that. that to us after we're we'll done, put that in the description we'll do that thanks so much you can find john branion on miwi gab and youtube also be part of the show by emailing your questions and comments to next door at johnbranion.com we've loved having you at our table neighbor see you next time and bring some friends with you 